Yeah, it's um, Made Free Church. I hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Uh, what an amazing, amazing, amazing time. Uh, every day is amazing when you when you get before the Lord. And uh, wow. Anyway, guys, um, got a you know uh, uh, some some huge things going on here, and and uh, so uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be moving to. Uh, you know, Illinois, uh, and, uh, this is going to be a, a good thing. And, and, uh, so guys keep me in prayer with that, man. I'm really excited about the adventure that God's got me going on now. And, and it looks like, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, guys, it's just, it's just amazing, man. It's just amazing. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, um, God sends you out and then you, and you just go, but there's there's something a little bit more, guys, involved. It looks like I'm getting married and to a beautiful woman, and and, and uh, it's just amazing. Um, you know, I, I wasn't expecting this, and, and I don't think she was either. But it's just so good, man, that that this is happening, and, and uh, so I'm gonna be uh, flying out to Illinois in the next couple of weeks, and and uh, that's gonna happen, and then uh, you know stuff like that. So. Just keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer, guys, because it's it's just an amazing, amazing time. You know, marriage is a is a is a huge, important covenant uh, to God, and and um, you know, so. Uh, but we're we're totally excited, so it's good. So, uh, just a couple of announcements before we get started, man, guys. If you guys need prayer, go to madefreechurch.org, and. Um, you know, put in your prayer request and we have an intercessory prayer team that prays over, uh, that every week and, uh, every day of the week. And then, uh, but if you guys want us to call you and, and, and pray with you, please leave your phone number in the box so we can actually reach out. Um, and, uh, um, uh, and, and, and just, uh, you know, well, I just got a text on something. Anyway, um, and, and, uh, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, um, please do that. Um, just go ahead and, and leave your phone number and stuff like that in there so we can actually call you and stuff like that. Uh, we can only, uh, we can only, um, call in the confines of the United States. So if you guys live out in, uh, you know, Canada or Mexico or even across the pond in, uh, Europe and England, we're not going to be able to call you, but still leave your prayer request there so we can pray over you and pray with you. All right, guys, we're going to be in um, our study. It's called Ministering a Sigh Language. Uh, we're going to be in Mark 7, 31 to 37. And um, so let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. And we thank you for the opportunity to be all that you want us to be, God. And, and we just ask, God, that you just get me out, get the preacher out of the way so that your word can come through. We love you. We worship you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into this. Open up your word to uh, Mark 7, 31 to 37. It says this. And again, he went out to the, uh, the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him one, of, uh, one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And they pleaded with him, 
to lay hands on him. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched uh, his tongue. And looking up into heaven with a sigh, he said, Ephbathatha, uh, that is, be open. And, uh, and his ears were open, and his impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave him orders not to tell anyone, but the, uh, but the more he was ordering them, the more widely he, they continued to proclaim it. And they were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. See, sighing is a human condition. You know, we sigh for many reasons. We often sigh when we're happy or content. I mean, I remember holding my daughters as babies in my arms in the rocking chair while they were coo cooing and gurgling and exploring my face and feeling such joy that I couldn't help but breathe a deep sigh of absolute contentment and we often sigh relief when we're safe from from mishap or, or, or catastrophe right yeah and, and, and once i was on vacation with my kids and this was like 20 20 plus years ago uh and and, and my my youngest daughter amelia stopped breathing so i had to call 911 and the paramedics just being around the court literally arrived at the house that we were staying in within two minutes i couldn't believe it Finding Amelia already turning blue, they did CPR and she quickly began to breathe again. At that very moment, I let out a profound sigh of utter relief. But there's a flip side to sighing. We breathe a different kind of sigh when, when we're in the depths of despair or we feel deep empathy for someone else's pain. I've experienced awful depression so dreadful and unrelenting that I simply could not stop repeatedly utterly just deep sighs of just sadness and despair. And I've also found myself at the beside uh, a bed of someone at the point of death and feeling such grief and sympathy for, for their suffering that I could not hold myself from a deep sigh but unfathomable sorrow. See, in today's text, we see how Jesus sighed such a sigh of deep felt compassion towards the suffering of a sad man with a debilitating and humiliating condition. You might say that he spoke sigh language uh, to the man, and 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 the compassion that he he caught that was that caused his melancholy, melancholy uh, a sigh that led into his healing, right. So first, prior to the healing in verse 31, Mark tells us of an outreach of expansion of Jesus' ministry. And it says this, And again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the region of Decapolis. We normally just speed read through the geographical details in the gospel just to get to the main stories. But these little tidbits of information often give us an important insights into the gospel. You recall yesterday that we noted that Jesus went into the region of Tyre and Sidon. It was the first time Jesus stepped outside of Palestine proper. Though there were many Jews in the Greek cities of Tyre and Sidon, 
but they were prominently populated by Gentiles. Well, good morning, Amanda Joe. Glad that you're here. You know, um, when when uh, uh, when Mark tells us in verse 31 that he came to the Sea of Galilee through Decapolis, and it, it means that he got to the western side of the lake. He went north to the top, around the top, and he went south again to the eastern side of the lake, forming a horseshoe itinerary. This meant that he was still in the Gentile territory, right? Which would almost be one third uh, uh, of, of, of his three years in his ministry. It's like he spent a, a eight months in the Gentile ter territory, right? It was a forceful reminder of God's plan all along for Israel to be the light to the Gentile nations and a glorious foretaste of God's plan for the gospel to go to all the world's Gentile nation after his death and resurrection. In verse 32 to 35, Jesus performs an extraordinary miracle. We're going to read it in verse uh, uh, 32. It's a wretched, sad man was brought to Jesus by some people who cared for him. And it says this, and they brought him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they begged him to put his hands on him. He was deaf and had a speech impediment. The word, uh, the word translated an impediment of speech is the Greek uh, word of, of uh, Mogolanian, which means hardly talking or speaking with difficulty. Though we don't know for sure, he may have been able to hear as a child since at least he could talk somewhat, although he talked with great difficulty. So it's thought that at some point that the man lost his hearing and the ability to articulate words clearly since he could not hear himself speak. See, being deaf would have been a terrible handicap, especially in ancient times. You know, if we had to choose uh, between being blind or being deaf, most of us would probably choose deafness because it's less incontaminating than blindness. Than blindness. But the medical authorities and the deaf themselves say otherwise. See, as bad as blindness is, blind people do not experience the social pain and stigma uh, that uh, experienced by the deaf. Gawking and impatient stares of those who are not aware of the person being deaf. The humiliation of being thought stupid because one's inability to make himself or herself understood. Because of this, uh, consider the time in history which the man lived. Sign language, what, sign language was, was not even invented until the 17th century. So his ability to communicate was much more difficult than it is today. And there were no schools of any kind for the handicapped people, uh, such as, as special schools for the deaf or the blind or the autistic for that matter. Even today, to have any of these conditions is thought to be a tragedy. Now imagine what it must have been like in ancient times. This man's situation was none, nothing less than miserable and hopeless. <coughs> In verses 33-34, Jesus healed the man 
in, in a most unusual way. And we read this. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, and with a deep sigh, he said to him, that is, be opened. In verse 33 it says, Jesus took him aside from the crowd, presumably because Jesus wanted to take him away from the embarrassment that had been his lot in life. He did something together different from his past healings. He put his fingers into the man's ears, spit in his own hands, and touched the tongue with his saliva, looked up to heaven with a deep sigh, and finally spoke the, Amer uh, the Aramaic word, afitita, which, which is translated means to be opened. Now, why did, why, why did Jesus use such a strange procedure to heal this man? Each step tells us something wonderful and lovely about our precious Savior. When Jesus healed someone, it was the response to their faith. Just Jesus elicited faith in people through the words and through conversation. This man could not hear or speak clearly. So what Jesus did uh, was use his hands as a sort of a makeshift sign language with, the, with, with this to show this show him that he intended to do in order to increase by increase his faith and by putting his fingers into his ears indicated to him that he was going to heal his hearing the saliva of a holy man was thought by the jews to have healing powers jesus used this popular misconception to further increase the man's faith by touching his tongue to show that he would heal his speech impediment and and then having heaving a deep sigh and uttered the American the, 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 the Aramaic phrase uh, uh, why not Hebrew uh, well probably because it was an easy word for the deaf man to read the lips strange as this passion seems it, it really like it really touches me you know the way that Jesus uh, deals with this pitiful man so gentle and loving and compassionate by taking him aside from the gawking crowd Jesus showing him respect it showed him that he was not the problem or the irritant but he was special and worthy of his personal attention he exhibited his wisdom by using hand signals to adapt his communication to this man's special needs and in using an easily understood word that is was easily to it was easily it was it was easy to, to to read the lips of that but what is significant of the heavenly look and the sigh in verse 34 the greek word for sigh is sten, uh, stenezo which means to be in straits to groan grieve sigh murmur jesus sigh here was not a sigh of joy or relief like some of the examples that I gave in the beginning of, uh, of this Bible study. But it was a sigh of unutterable sorrow and sadness for this man. But it was more than that. I believe that it was a sigh of deep compassion. Not just for the unfortunate man, but 
for all of humanity under the curse of sin. And, and, and no one would have understood this sorrow and compassion more deeply than the Father who had sent Jesus on, a, on his mission of redemption. So he turned his head to heavenward toward the Father to share his grief and compassion. That's amazing. You know, when was the last time that, that you were so much in pain that you looked up to the heaven and said, and just unloaded? We should be doing that. You know what I mean? We should be doing that. This isn't the only time Jesus had this reaction. At Lazarus' tomb, when Mary complained to Jesus that Lazarus would not have died if Jesus came there sooner. And John 11.33 says, When Jesus uh, therefore saw her weeping, the Jew and, and the Jews also weeping, came to her and groaned in the spirit. There was a deep sigh of sadness and compassion again and was troubled. The sorrow over the curse of death deeply disturbed Jesus. He came to the tomb, it says in verse 35, and says, Jesus wept. What made him weep? Verse 36 says, then Jesus says, see how he loved him. What compassion Jesus had for someone he loved who prematurely suffered the most horrifying effect of the fall, death. And the compassion and abundance was here today in today's text as as well as when they were brought the deaf man with the speech impediment to Jesus. You know, uh, as, as Kent Hughes, our Kent Hughes puts it as this, perhaps here, when he got the poor, the poor deaf and dumb man alone, when he saw closely the de devastation, his shyness, his crumbled ego, hurt upon hurt upon hurt, it was then that he sighed in compassion. The sigh was so also for what lay behind it, man's sin, the fallen creation, the devil's world, as Frederick uh, favors uh, him says, there is no place where earth's sorrow is more felt than in heaven. In verse 35, Mark records what happened next. And it says this, immediately his ears were opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke plainly. The original Greek uh, is more vivid and concrete and saying the chain of his tongue was broken. And in the New Testament, the word chain is most frequently means the chain or the fetter that binds prisoners. The word translated plainly means correctly. His tongue was uh, released to talk perfectly well as if he had never had a speech impediment to begin with. Think of it. The man's tongue was fettered as if tied down. So not able, he was not able to hear, but he could talk clearly and accurately. Now, of course, Jesus uh, healed him completely as if he's never been afflicted. And that's why, and that's the way all of Jesus' miracles turned out. Whenever Jesus did something, he did it right. He was God after all. It, 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 whoa. 
What else would you expect from a perfect God? In verse 36, 35 to 36, we notice uh, the overwhelming amazement of the people. And he commanded them that he should, and it says this, and he commanded them that he shouldn't tell no one. But more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed. And they were astonished beyond all measure, saying, he has done all these things. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is an instant of Mark, in Mark, that Jesus is commanding the, the, the Gentiles to remain silent. He might have saved his breath, for Mark says the more Jesus commanded them to be uh, silent, to be silent about it, the more widely they proclaimed it. This was an unusual, spectacular healing, and Jesus could not shut them up. But here's the irony. We have several, we've seen here several times that where Jesus told people to not spread abroad of his miracles. And time and time again, they couldn't keep quiet about it. They told everyone about Jesus, yet Jesus specifically commanded them to tell, to not to tell anyone the great things that he has done and they must remain silent. The crowd said next was the, conf uh, what, what the crowd said next was a confession of truth. He has done all things well. As I said before, whenever Jesus did something, he did it right. Everything he does, he does well. William Barclay says this in his commentary. When it was completed, the people declared that he had done all things well. That is none other than the verdict of God upon his own creation in the very beginning. In Genesis 1.31. When Jesus came, bringing healing to broken bodies and salvation to uh, human souls, he begun the work of creation all over again. In the beginning, everything had been good. Human sin had, had spoiled it all. And now Jesus was bringing back the beauty of God to a world which human sin had rendered it ugly. See, the, the story of this miracle found in, in Mark's gospel reminds me of of us again in, in Mark's central uh, uh, in Mark's central thesis that Jesus was God and we see it in, 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 in the sheer power of the miracle something that only God can do we see it in the way that he wisely handles this poor man wisdom could only be from above we see it in the compassion that he exhibited so very revealing of God's of mercy and compassion that Jesus literally embodied as God in the visible human form. But we are not God's as Jesus was and is. What does God want us to hear? Want us to, our mere uh, mortals to learn from this story? There are so many we could examine, but these three stick out to me. First, may God help us to have a heavenly look of prayerful, prayerful communion with, that Jesus had. When Mark tells us that Jesus looked up to heaven, it was a public exhibition of his prayerful connection and dependence on the Father. The only time 
in all eternity when the communion with the Father was broken was when the Son became the sin bearer on the cross and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even though Jesus often got away from the disciples and the crowds to con for concentrated times of prayer, he was in constant prayerful communion with the Father throughout every day of his life. Ordinary humans like or, or ordinarily ordinary humans like you and me can also be in con constant communion with God. It begins by spending time with God, adoring wor worship and prayer. But it's also having a mindfulness about God's presence with you throughout the day. As Paul told the, the, the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. So we should be talking with God throughout the day, praising him when he blesses us with a beautiful sunset, confessing sin at the moment we realize that we've failed, praying for the words to say when a friend asks us a question about God and, and, and asking for strength not to respond to someone in anger. We may not be able to always look heavenward while we are while, 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 you, while you're praying throughout the day. You might run into a telephone pole while you're driving. But you can be in prayer for communion all day. Second may we sigh a, of a heartfelt compassion as Jesus did. Compassion, compassion and caring were not in vogue in the Bible times. And it is easy, it is so easy today. In today's story, the deep sigh of Jesus was healing the balm of this man for it was the deep feeling of empty uh, 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 and, and motivated Jesus to heal him. So let's ask ourselves this morning. Let me this really do ask ourselves. Are we compassionate people? Have we wept over the suffering that we see all around this world? Do we sigh a sigh of sympathy for those who live distorted lives in spice in? Does the six o'clock news sometimes make us cry? Do we sigh over divorce, poverty, abortion, broken relationships? Are we tender and caring? As Christians, we should be. When you see someone in your church or your community that needs help, do you care? Or do you just want to turn and not be bothered by someone else's burdens? When, when someone's child gets sick or a parent or a loved one is dying or, or, or someone's going through a rough spot in their marriage or they're experiencing a time of of depression, do you care? Oftentimes, the most basic and most helpful things you can do to care and actively show compassion is to just put your own burdens aside while listening and nod sympathetically and express a heartfelt compassion for what someone else is going through. When the church sides as Jesus sides with genuine compassion, helps, goes out to the hurting and suffering. In, in Matthew 5, 4, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they'll obtain mercy. May each of us 
be merciful as our blessed Savior was and is. And last, may we touch those in the world like Jesus did. The first thing Jesus did was put his hands on the deaf man with a speech impediment. Then, then he touched his ears and his tongue. And, and, and usually when, when Jesus healed someone in, in his presence, he put his hands on them, including one time when he, he touched a grossly deformed leper. He, he never recoiled from laying his hands on the sinful humanity. Why did Jesus uh, so often heal people with, with, with a touch? I think uh, Kent Hughes uh, puts it this way. Was the instinct of a loving heart. If we are to minister, there must be a touch. And, and I'm speaking mainly metaphorically. Handshaking, back slapping, uh, appropriate hugging are good. But but I'm, I'm talking here about reaching out and welcoming sinners and even the exceedingly sinful. One of my old pastors uh, in his early adulthood was a cop. And uh, one time he arrested a prostitute when he, uh, we'll just call her Judy, uh, just for, 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 for this illustration. And, he, and, and as he often did, he shared the gospel with her. And, and this was the third time that she had been arrested by him and the third time he shared the gospel with her. Well, as they say, the third time's a charm. And, he, and, and she said, why are you always talking to me about Jesus? Unlike some of the other cops who had always... Uh, not unlike the other cops that who, who always been been rude and, and to her, you have been always kind of considerate. You have never offered to to trade sex with me to avoid arrest. And when I spit on you, you never once struck me or cursed me out. You act like you actually care. And he said, Judy, I do care, but there's someone who cares for you more than me. Someone who loved you so much that he was willing to die for your sins. That struck a chord in her heart because there was no need to show her Romans 3.23 for her to know that she was a sinner. She said, the problem is I can't change. After a long talk uh, and a way, way after his shift ended, you know, this pastor was able to lead her to faith in Jesus Christ. And when she posted bail, that pastor and his wife were there to meet her and give her a ride to their home until they could make arrangements uh, for her. And that Sunday, they took her to church and stuff like that. And, and uh, hey, what's up, Abby? And, uh, you know, and he got her into a Bible-believing church. And, and there, she was able to get a job and get on her feet. Eventually, she met a good Christian man, and, for, like, and she married him. And they had three lovely kids. That's the kind of compassion I'm talking about. Do you reach out and love and minister and treat with respect and dignity and kindness that those whom the world has cast aside and used and abuses for evil desires? May we give a healing gift of touch to those that society doesn't care about anymore. And, and that's just the basis of it, you know what I mean? You guys, I, I hope that you're getting a lot out of this. I know I am. Um, but just a, a couple announcements before we end, right? Guys, uh, we'd love for you guys to pray for the pastors and staff here at, at Olive Branch, as well as the men here. Uh, these men 
they struggle daily with their walk and they struggle daily with a lot of different things and they need your prayer. But pray for the pastors here too, myself and Happy and Dominic and Polly, you know, as, as we minister to these men. And guys, please pray for Made Free Church in Uganda. They're going through so much stuff there and uh, and they need really, really need your prayer and stuff like that. So please pray for them. And guys, uh, please check out our friends at 120 Army. Go to 120army.com. They're launching a new 120 Army app. It's awesome. It's not all fully there yet. So go down the, the download on your Android or your iPhone in your app store and just, you know, uh, just, uh, yeah, just uh, do that. And it's just, these guys are amazing. These are our friends. We love them and stuff like that. And uh, guys, if you'd like to check me out, you guys can check me out at reformpastor.me, reformpastor.me. And you, you can see what I believe and what I hold to as, as far as confessions and stuff like that. It's all there. You can see my sermons on YouTube and stuff like that. But also, guys, I got something else to say, too. And this is kind of amazing for me is I'm on the Amazon. I'm on Apple podcasting. I'm also on Amazon podcast. If you look for reform pastor and you'll see me on there, you'll see all the all the stuff that we got going on here, too. And guys, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church, please go to madefreechurch.org. There's a giving tab. There's three ways you can give. You can give through our cash app. You can give through our uh, PayPal link. And you can uh, give through the address that is provided. Uh, but that's madefreechurch.org. We are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit church. So please leave your... your uh, Please leave your... Uh, 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 your uh, uh, your email address so we can give you a tax deductible receipt uh, and we want to thank you in advance for your donations and your giving and uh, guys what an amazing time that we are going through um, Mark it's such an amazing time I hope you guys are enjoying it thank you for watching God bless you and Heavenly Father thank you for this time thank you for your word thank you for everything that you're doing in our life God Bless those who have watched, bless those who are watching, bless those that are going to watch later. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, uh, that, you know, if you guys got, uh, you know, Apple, if you guys have an iPhone, download, uh, subscribe to our Apple podcast. And if you guys are on Amazon, we're there as well. God bless you. You guys have a great day.